Let's pray. Father, you are a good, good Father. I love that we get to sing that song. And I love that we have the opportunity, God, to stop what we're doing this week. And as many of us have said, and, and many of us say every year flies by, it seems like the pace of life is just so fast and so quick, and it's hard to, to stop and enjoy. And even in the midst of Thanksgiving, sometimes it's just hard to stop in order to reflect and to be grateful for all the good things that we have, for all the good things that we get to experience, for our family, for our friends, for the things that, that we get to enjoy every single day, God, we, we're grateful. And so and then over the next few moments, I pray that the power of your Spirit would fill this room. I pray that the power of your Spirit would fill every heart. God, I, I don't know the needs, but you know the needs in the room. I don't know the, the baggage, the difficulty, the challenges, but you do. And so I pray that, in a sense, you would just stop time for just a few moments and reach down to us and speak to us, encourage us. You know what we need. You know who we are. You, you're the good, good Father that knows every son and every daughter and can meet every single one of those needs. And so over the next few moments, this is what I pray, that you would do that. Thank you for this time. And I pray that we would be different in the next 20 to 25 minutes, God, after this service, because you have met with us. Thank you for this time. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I love this time of year. How about you? It's a good time, isn't it? I joked earlier, but I really do skip breakfast every, every Thanksgiving morning. I'm like, I'm not eating breakfast. That's cheating. That's cheating my stomach out, right? I mean, who needs a frozen waffle? Not that I eat those things, right? But who needs a frozen waffle when you got turkey and, and ham coming, right? I, I honestly think that I had, not think, I shouldn't use that word. I honestly had like three full plates of food and like four desserts over from 1 p.m. to 9 p.m., right? It's not quite what Nathan Helms, for those of you that know him, it's not quite what Nathan Helms can do. Is Nathan in this room? He had the largest plate of food in human history. I saw it on Thursday. And if Nate's not in here, make sure you find Nate and tell him. I'm like, Nate, that's the largest. He goes, this is just the beginning, right? And there's some, just some good things about Thanksgiving. We get to enjoy family and enjoy food. And it's a good time. One of my favorite times of the year. And you always expect a few things. You always expect good food. And you always expect the Detroit Lions to be playing and the Cowboys. And I always want to think that they're going to play it close and then lose. But I think they won, didn't they? Anybody? Where's Zane? Did the, 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 the Lions win on Thursday? They won on Thursday. I think maybe that's two years in a row. I don't know. But it's just a good time. I'm glad that uh, you're here over Thanksgiving weekend. Even though those, th those times can be really um, busy, they are full of joy as, as well. Let me give you a few updates on Encounter Church before we jump into uh, the text today. Um, as many of you know that have been here recently, um, we have signed a five-year lease on a property less than two miles from here, just across from where the Legacy Place is on Route 1. It's across over 128, the first office complex right there on the left side. It's a Westwood address, but it's right across from uh, the Legacy Place and where Fox News is. And so we are very, very excited. Just continue to pray that God work. Uh, right now, we are still under the schematic design phase where we have... Um, 
our team working with architects to design that space and to make it as beautiful and as functional as possible. So keep praying for Encounter Church, your church. Um, keep praying that God move, that God provide um, the funds that are necessary too. So in the next few weeks, as we kind of solidify what this will look like, we, can, we will continue to share with you and keep you updated. Um, the school has verbally, uh, graciously agreed to continue to allow us to meet. And so we're also... Um, planning on being in this space as long as possible. A few other quick things that you'll know about the December schedule. Um, Christmas this year falls on a Sunday, right? So we will not hold a service on Sunday morning, Christmas Day, and we will not hold a service on uh, the next Sunday, which is January 1st. So we really hope that you'll take advantage for you, your family, and we hope that you'll leverage the eve of Christmas Eve. Um, some of you should have received an email this morning. If not, it will be pushed out um, very, very soon to you about the eve of Christmas Eve, an incredible community event that we did last year. Hundreds of people from our community and surrounding communities. It's an incredible opportunity for you to have a good time, if you have children, for your children to have a good time, and to have a meaningful service, kind of a mini service at the end where we tell the Christmas story. So mark your calendar, the eve of Christmas Eve. We'll have that event. We'll be together, and then we'll be again um, on January the 8th. So We'll keep you posted on the building. We're very excited about the way things are progressing. Our team is working very hard, and the team um, of architects and these uh, design company is working very hard as well. So are you excited about that? I think that you are. A lot of you ask, yeah. Um, yeah, very excited to share that with you in the very near future. So there's nothing better. I don't know about you, but those moments, and Thanksgiving can hopefully be that moment, but hopefully it happens on the other 364 days of the year. There's nothing better when you really are grateful. Do you remember a time, hopefully recently, maybe, maybe today, maybe yesterday, maybe on Thursday, or a time when you've just been overwhelmed with gratitude? It's the moment where you, where you stop in your tracks, like you stop thinking about anything else and you're just overwhelmed with a sense of gratitude. It's a good place to be, isn't it? When you can look at your spouse and say, I really love them and I'm grateful for them. It's a time when, and I know the drama of family, we all have drama, everyone has a crazy uncle. Does everyone have a crazy uncle? Raise your hand. You're like, no, I have a crazy aunt. Well, he's, her husband's probably crazy too. I think everyone has a crazy family member, and if you don't, you're the crazy, right? I mean, if you can't identify the crazy person, everyone's crazy. All things are relative, right? People are crazy, right? There's a good country song about that, but I won't quote all the lyrics to that song. Right? There's a country song about everything, but whatever, that's another topic. Families are crazy, but it's a moment when you forget all the craziness and you're just grateful for your, fam for your family. You look at your, your mom and you go, she's crazy, but I'm, I'm grateful for her. Right? Those of you that laugh shouldn't laugh out loud for that one. Your mom might be listening and recognize, right? It's, it's the moment when, when you forget about everything else and you're just grateful. It's a good place for the heart to be. And it's all internal, right? It's just this emotional moment that you have that you're like, I am grateful for my life. I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for my house. Even though if it burned away, insurance company would take care of it, right? I could get a new house. It's not about the house, but I'm grateful for my home. Even though your job drives you crazy at moments. It's that moment when you're driving to work and you're saying, I'm grateful for my job. Like, it's just a place of gratitude. And Thanksgiving is a moment that we have in our year where we just call it Thanksgiving Day. Let's give thanks. But wouldn't it be good to live a life of gratitude? To live a life that no matter the circumstances, no matter the difficulty, you find yourself and you find your heart in a place of thankfulness in a place of gratitude. It's a good place to be, isn't it?
But what about the opposite? When you see or you yourself live ungratefulness, that's a very frustrating place to be, isn't it? Have you ever given a gift and wish you could take it back because you didn't see gratitude? Have you experienced a moment with either your children or a family member or a moment when you graciously gave and you think that they just missed it, right? It's this moment when you see a lack of gratitude. For some, you could say there's nothing worse than when you see a lack of gratitude. And maybe one thing that struck this generation that we call millennials, and even though every generation is guilty of it because every generation is guilty of sin, but the millennials, one thing that struck this generation, this young generation, is that there's a sense of entitlement, yes? There's a sense of, you know what, when I graduate college, I'm going to have a good job and I'm going to make at least 75000 because that's what my parents experienced, right? I'm going to have a good job. I'm going to have a home. Who needs to rent? I'm going to be able to purchase, right? There's this sense of entitlement, not because they think that they deserve it, because they think that's the norm. This is the norm, right? Things don't come easy, do they? Some generations in American history, my grandmother's generation, right, born in the 1920s, some generations never experienced easy. Not to say that they were perfect. Every generation has its ups and its downs, right? But there's a sense of entitlement. Have you ever seen a a sense of entitlement and it's really frustrated you to the core? Because you're like, you ungrateful punk, right? That's what you're thinking. If you say it, that's fine too. If you say something else, just don't repeat it again, right? I mean, you ungrateful punk, right? You, you know those moments? And sometimes like, it's you, it's, it's you, it's your spouse responding to you like, you're just ungrateful, there's nothing worse than that. So we see the extremities, there's nothing more beautiful sometimes than a grateful, humble heart. But there's nothing worse on this side when there's a sense of entitlement, and there's a sense of you don't have a clue how good you have it, right? It's a frustrating place to be. If it's your heart, and I think we've all been there at times, and sometimes we see it in other people, a lack of gratitude, a lack of thankfulness. There's this verse in the Bible, you don't have to worry about turning there, I just want to put it on the screen. I want us to just think about this verse for just a moment before we jump into the other few verses. This is Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. Just look at this. I know some of you can like pull up your phone, it's there too, on the app and the Bible portion of the app, but I just want you to look at this verse with me, and I want you to just read it out loud with me. Can you do that? I thank my God, I thank my God, say it with me, in all my remembrance of you. Say it one time, all the way through. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. The Apostle Paul, which wrote a lot of the New Testament, was very, very far from God. God rescued him, God saved him, God changed him, and God sent him on a mission to tell other people that did not know God how they could know God. And Paul begins to experience the transformation of God in his life, and he's telling everyone in sight. Well, there was a little bit of a revival that happened in the city of Philippi. And so Paul writes them a letter to encourage them. One of the first things out of his mouth, right? The very beginning of this chapter, he says, Paul, a servant of God, basically saying, Paul, this is the Apostle Paul, and I'm writing this letter to you. And one of the first things out of his mouth is, I thank God when I think about you. Paul is in this moment of thinking about a group of people, the church, believers that lived in the city of Philippi, and all he's saying, the start of this letter, this is a great start of the letter, like, I thank God every time you come up in my mind. I thank God every time you come up in my heart. That's a really simple verse, isn't it? 
But I want to say that the power of this verse, as you have read it, as you said it out loud with me, is not gratitude. It's not only gratitude, but the power of this verse is who the gratitude is given to. I think all of us are grateful for things in our life, right? Could you say yeah? I think all of us are grateful for people in our lives, right? But the question that I want to pose to everyone today, if you're listening online, if you're listening as you're going down the road, right? Not with the phone in hand, of course, but listening. We're just listening, right? Or if you're listening in this room today, who receives your gratitude is the question. Who receives your gratitude? Paul, in this moment, is not just saying, I'm thankful for you, but he's saying, I'm actually thankful for God because of you. Your gratitude goes to other people or it goes to God. Now, it can go to both, right? But your gratitude goes to other people or it can go to God. I think gratitude is missing something today when it's not given to the right person. Imagine a child who receives kind of a lollipop, right? Mom, out of the blue, the child's not in a candy store. It, it's not, you know, Christmas morning. There's not a sense of like, today's going to be a fun day. You're going to get candy or whatever. No, 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 just out of the blue. A mom purchases kind of a giant lollipop, maybe one of those big circles. You ever seen those things that kids never finish? If your kids might finish them, my kid like takes a bite and goes, wow, this is huge, and puts it down, right? Imagine just a large lollipop. And mom goes up to her daughter and says, here, this is for you. Do you think the child gets excited? Do you think that child takes that lollipop? Now let me ask you a question. No trick question. I want you to answer this really fast. Do you think that child is thankful? Yes or no? I'd say yeah. But the question is this, why are they grateful? And to whom are they grateful? The child is naturally going to be thankful, right? Because there's a response inside of us that says, I like that, you gave that to me, I'm happy. We do it every day. You wake up in the morning, post Thanksgiving because you had too much sugar, even though someone offered me ibuprofen on Thursday, and I said, no, it was a wrong, mis- it was a wrong decision. I woke up Friday morning with a splitting headache, and I know it was way too much sugar in my body, right? My body couldn't process that, right? But we're just thankful, right? And so ima- imagine this child receives the lollipop and says, wow, this is good. Then auto response to what is good is this joy, this sense of gratitude. Now, I know you could argue against it and say, well, they're not really grateful. They just like the lollipop. But let's just shoot straight. Let's just be real simple. They are thankful that they have been given a lollipop, right? But imagine if that child dropped the lollipop, right? It just, it's not about the lollipop. Imagine the perfect world, right? Utopian society. All things are good. All things are bliss. Or Pleasantville, right? The, the child drops that lollipop and says, Mom, I am so thankful for you. That's different, isn't it? The child, in the simplicity of this moment, realizes that it's not the lollipop that's good. It's actually mom, Right? That lollipop will be soon forgotten, won't it? Ask your child on the way home today, do you remember Christmas last year? Yeah, wasn't it awesome? What'd you get for Christmas last year? Uh-huh, shaking her head. She won't even know, right? I just see head shaking. They don't know. This year, my mom said, Jason, I want to help you and, and Rachel and the boys go on a trip. I said, okay, right? I'm listening. Um, <clears throat> Right? And so, because I want to help you make memories. This is good, because my mom always says, I'm not going to do that much for Christmas this year. And she goes, 
way over the top. I'm like, Mom, I'm an adult. I just need to remind you, I have a job, right? You don't have to buy me more than a gift. You don't have to buy me a gift, but you know what? You don't have to buy my children 17 gifts this year, right? You, you just don't have to do that. And this year she said, now she says it every year, right, Rachel? If you're listening, Mom, I love you. Merry Christmas. Um, but she said, I don't want to do that this year, right? I just want to, I want to help you go on a, on a trip. I want to, to, to help you create a memory for your family. I'm like, okay, great. So we work out this deal. I said this deal. No, I didn't fight for the deal. She told me what she was going to do. I said, Mom, that's very gracious. Thank you. Now, don't send gifts, right? On Christmas Day, we'll say, guess what Nana and Papa did for us? We're going on a trip in February, right? That's what we're doing. So this was announced to my brother and sister-in-law. And my niece, naturally, like a child would do it, she was kind of disappointed. She was like, oh, we're not going to get any gifts from Nana and Papa? And my brother Gene said to Jordan, my niece, and said, no, baby, we're, we're going to go on a trip. And uh, my mom, Nana, was in the room. She said, Jordan, because she was kind of disappointed. And I understand from a kid, you like opening gifts, right? No fault to the kid, right? But she says, Jordan, what'd you get last year for Christmas from, from Nana and Papa? Raise your hand if you think she had one idea. She didn't have a clue. She said, do you remember last spring break what we did? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got out. We went to Myrtle Beach. It was so much fun. Do you remember the indoor water park? Remember the beach was too cold. We got to go inside. Do you remember how much fun? Yeah, we stayed up late playing Sorry, the game, like the board game. That was so much fun, right? You often will forget the gift, but you're grateful for the giver. Best case scenario, right? But I think the way a parent feels, whenever you give a gift to a child, and they don't have a sense of, of gratitude, I think this is how God feels about us. We experience good things, don't we? Isn't this earth a cool place? Anybody think it's cool? Anybody want to just travel? You just want to hop on a plane and go? This is a cool place, right? And there's a lot of good things to experience. There's a lot of joy. But we miss sometimes the actual giver. If you have your Bible, you can turn here. If not, it'll be on the screen, or you can download the app and touch the Bible portion. I want to read a few verses in James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verses 16, 17, and 18. Just three verses, and, and it, they will be on the screen. I want to start with verse 16 here. So this is what the, the Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 16. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. And we'll stop there. Don't be deceived, brothers. Now this is James who knew Jesus. James had already written 15 verses, and you know what he says? Dear Christians, I'm going to summarize the 15 verses. Dear Christians, I know life is hard. I know you're going through a lot of tough times. Jesus had just died, and now other people are dying because they say they believe in Jesus. Like first century Christianity was messy. It's messy today in many parts of the world. It's getting messy in the United States of America. But this is unlike anything that you would know in this culture. Christians are being killed just like they killed Jesus, right? Literally, Christianity, which is the, the phrase was being coined, literally could have been them, them saying, you're like many Jesus Many, many Christians, many Christ, right? These people who are mimicking Jesus, well, they're killing. Well, James is writing them. I know you're going through a tough time. I know life is hard. I know you're going through trials. I know you, you have temptations right in front of you, and I know many of you are falling. Life is hard. And then he transitions. He says, don't be deceived. So what, how are they being deceived? A lot of the early Christians were blaming God for the tough times that they, were, that they found themselves in. Have you ever done that? It's easy to do, isn't it? You're like, I'd love to be thankful, but there's a lot of things in my life I am not thankful for. The situation you find yourself in, the financial crisis you may be in, the family difficulties, the workplace issues, you name it, you fill in the blank. 
And he says, listen, don't, don't be deceived. This isn't God's fault. There's, there's decisions that we make. There, this life is hard. There's, there, there's consequences to the decisions that we make. And he spends a few verses in chapter 1 explaining, remember, there is an enemy. There's an enemy, and his name is not Jesus. There's an enemy, and his name is Satan. And there's, there's evil in this world. So don't be deceived. And I love verse 16. This is the one we're going to spend the most time on. Look at the beginning of verse, sorry, the beginning of verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from where? Above. And look at what he says at the end of verse 17. Coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Now, just in verse 17, for just a few moments, I want you to capture this. He says, don't be deceived at how hard life is, how bad life is. All, the, all this stuff is not from God. This is from the world. This is from because there is an enemy. This is because there is evil in this world. Every good thing, he says, let me just remind you, this is so simple, right? With, with James telling new Christians, baby Christians, like they haven't had faith for very long. Some of these people knew Jesus that were listening. Some of these people didn't have a clue. They never saw Jesus. They just heard stories about him. And he says this, don't blame God. And then he says, every good thing, every good thing, and every perfect thing, everything that's beautiful, everything that's without fault, anything that's just unbelievably worth giving your heart and your mind and your attention to, everything is from God. That is good. What if you really believe that? What if you really believe that every good thing that you got to experience was a gift from God. I'd love this to be a conversation right now, but the conversation will go on for a long time. But I want to ask you, like, what do you think is good? Some of you could say, really simple, I, a cup of coffee, a sunrise, a sunset, fresh cut grass. If you're allergic to that, I'm sorry. But it's really a good thing. I just smell like the, the ability to just cut grass, right? There's just, there's just things in this life that are good, you know, family, relationships. The fact that you woke up today and you had breath. The fact that you don't have to go to a hospital today because you're not sick. Like the list goes on and on and on with the goodness of this world, doesn't it? I wish I could just make a, a news channel that was just devoted to good, Right? It's like this Pleasantville news, right? This utopian society. But all they did, could you imagine raising the capital required to start a major U.S. national news network? All they did was capture good stories. Wouldn't that be good? But it'd be a lie, right? Because it's not all good. But I wish that we had this news channel. Just tell, just tell me good stories, will you? Even though people complain about it. I know you complain about it because I love you're smiling. You're like, all they do is capture it. We keep reading it, right? We keep listening. This world has a tendency to only focus on the things that are not good, right? Because the reality is that this life is hard. But what if you could turn your heart and you could turn your mind today and just turn it towards the things that are good? But there's something missing. What you can't do, what I can't do, is simply just turn our mind towards what we believe is good and stop there. 
because it's good to have a cup of coffee. It's good to be able to enjoy lawn work if you like that. It's good to spend time with family. It's good to, to do what you were able to do over the last couple of days, hopefully, and be with family. It's good to, you fill in the blank. It's good to be able to take a trip and just set aside the rat race, so to speak, of what happens Monday morning through Friday evening. And for some of you, you feel like your work never stops, right? Because there's a phone beside you and someone needs you. You're able to stop and just focus on family. Or, or just even to take a day off where you just focus on yourself and just relax and just kind of debrief life. But there's something missing. And you know what's missing often? from Even when we do experience what is good, we often don't give credit to where credit's due. Right? I think a lot of people around the country experience thankfulness on Thursday. But I wonder how many people actually in their hearts turned that to God and said, you are the one that's done this. I hope you're grateful for your spouse. But in some way, if you're able to turn that thankfulness, and you don't even have to tell your spouse, but you have to tell God in that moment to just say, God, I'm thankful for her. Imagine how God feels all these good things he's done, all these good things he's given, and yet he doesn't get the credit for it. You know, I think Philippians chapter 1, if we could just put down the screen again, is so powerful. Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. You know, I think this verse is so powerful because he's, yes, he's grateful. Yes, he has a sense of gratitude in his heart, but who receives it? He, he actually believes that it's God who has done this great work and Philippi. He actually believes that it's God who's done a great work inside of him. And he's communicating to them that, listen, I love you. I'm grateful for you. But he says, I, I praise God when I think about you because he is the one who's done it. I hope that you'll just time out in your life today. Just time out and everything else and just say, you know what, God, I'm going to pause in this moment. Maybe it's this afternoon when you're sitting in a chair. Maybe you go for a walk, whatever it is. Maybe it takes some alone time. Maybe it's after everyone else goes to sleep and you say, God, I am grateful for these things, and I do believe that you are the one that's given those to me. I don't know what's happening in heaven, but I know by what we see in the Bible, what we see in the Scripture, I could open up other verses, and God's heart is pleased. Just like a father looks to his child. Imagine, this would be a cool moment, right? The kid drops a lollipop, it cracks, they don't even care that it's broken now, and they run up to their mom because the mom gave them a gift, Right? It's that moment. You can have that with God today when you realize that it's God who is actually the one who gave these things. I think one of the most difficult chapters in all the Bible to read is Romans chapter 1. You know, a, a lot of the Bible has bad news, right? And a lot of the bad news has to do with God communicating to people that aren't paying any attention to him. And the part that we read in the New Testament about the judgment of God that's coming is a lot of bad news. And part of the judgment of God that's coming is that we believe as a Christian people that Jesus came to earth to die, to resurrect from the grave, and to offer life, eternal life to all people who would believe in him. The Bible also says that he's returning. And the Bible says that anyone that believes in Jesus Christ will be saved. But those that do not believe will spend an eternity without God. An eternity without God. Anyone who does not believe. Well, in Romans chapter 1, he kind of lays out part of the judgment. And Paul is telling the city of Rome, which a lot of people in the city of Rome pay no attention to God. 
And so Paul's writing to them, and one of the fascinating verses in Romans chapter 1 is this moment when Paul tells the city of Rome and the people that believe there, you know what he says to them? In Jason's own terminology and, and, and way to describe the scripture, he says, they worshiped, listen, the created things rather than the creator. That was God's judgment to mankind. Oh, they loved this life, all right, right? But they loved it more than the creator. Who do you think made the world? Who do you think made, and I know this is a, maybe we'll have the, a Genesis series in the next 18 months at Encounter Church about creation, about life. And, but Paul is saying, listen, there's a creator, and he created all these things, and he created them for your enjoyment. I love that. I love the coffee bean. Anybody else? Do you realize I've gone to that illustration three times? I love the coffee bean. Anybody else? Yeah. Who? I'm not saying every time that you sip a cup of coffee, you have to go into a worship service. That's not what I'm saying. It's just a, it's a heart recognition that you realize that God is the one who's created all of these things. That God created relationship. God created people. He created the sun, and he is the one that designed the sun rise and the sunset and the way that the colors come through our stratosphere, right? It's an unbelievable picture. But he's saying, you know what, all these people, they worship the created things rather than the creator. You can enjoy life and enjoy it to the fullest. But you have to realize today and in this moment that it's God who is the one who created these things. Going back to verse 17, let me read verse 17 and 18 as we wrap up. Verse 17, I want to read read it again. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. I love this description, by the way, the Father of lights. That's pretty good, isn't it? Who created light? Who created this world? He's the Father of lights. He is the controller. He is sovereign over creation. Look at verse 18. Of his own will. Whose will? God's will. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Keep that verse up there. I want you to look at this with me. He brought us forth. And this is a picture of life. He gave life. He gave breath. This is what brought us forth. Brought us forth from what? We read the context. We read the other verses around. We understand that he's really just speaking about life. That the very breath that you have in you is a gift from God. Anyone realize that today? The very breath that you have, that, you're, that you are a created thing made by the Creator. And I love the end of verse 18. We should be a kind of first fruits of His creatures. I, I, this is James reminding you of who you are. Whether you are a believer in Jesus or you are not a believer in Jesus, and you would say, you know what, I'm kind of searching this out. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. I'm not even sure what it means to have a relationship with God. Let me just tell you this beautiful verse in verse 18. That James is reminding the people that of all of creation, you're at the top. It's known throughout history that um, God's people were asked to give an offering to him. And literally this offering was, if you're an apple farmer, just to use an easy illustration, if you're an apple farmer and you have an aggregate of making one million apples every year and it's harvest time and you go pick those apples off the tree, guess what? God gets the first fruits, right? He gets your very best pick. 
and he gets 100,000 of those apples, right? In the Old Testament, we see it's taught that they would bring an offering to God, a 10% offering to, to, as a reminder, listen, this is the best I have, God, and I have the other 900,000 and this 100,000 because of you, so I'm going to give you the first fruits. And you know what he says? Of all of creation, you, 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 go around the room, you're the first fruit of creation. That when God created the sun, he's the father of lights, when he created the sun, when he created the stars, when he created the world, when he made the rings and the trees and created the time and created this beautiful thing that we get to call. He created the coffee bean, yes, remember that? He created the coffee bean. He created all these things. You are the first fruit of all of creation. You're the first. You're the best part of what God did. You, and now you, I don't, you might not feel like it sometimes because you're discouraged because of what you're going through, but I want you to know that you are the first fruit of creation. And he says this as a reminder, do not be deceived. And I'm telling you this as a church right now. Don't be deceived by all the tough things, by all the trials, by all the temptations, and believe the lie that God has caused the bad things, right? He is not. God is the father of every good thing, and of all the good things, you are the best. And I hope and I pray that you and where you are and in your journey, that you would realize that, you know what? God is the one who gave me breath. And that God is the one who gave me the opportunity to, to stand up today. God is the one who gave me my family. God is the one who gave me my children. God is the one who provided what I have, no matter how little or how much. And of all that there is, relationship, even in this room, relationships outside this room, there's nothing better than it. And I hope that you'll walk out today and say, I'm not going to be the kid that just licks the lollipop and never thanks mom. This isn't an illustration about your kids or a kid. It's an illustration for you. I, I don't want to be, I, I should have went by the store and got me a good lollipop. That way my kids would fight over it on the way home, right? I should have just got one and just sat up here. Imagine just enjoying the lollipop. What's going to happen to the lollipop? It's going to go away. It's going to be gone. Because like one of my kids, he would lick it until it's gone. The other one would just bite into it and say, okay, that's enough, right? But regardless if they eat the whole thing or if they eat a little bit of it, it's going to be gone. The good things in this life are going to be gone, but the one who is given all of these things will never be gone. And his name is Jesus. If you're searching today, and in spite of Thanksgiving and what's supposed to be a happy season, if you're searching today, and you're wondering, you know what? This is all good, but there's something that's missing. It could be. I think it very well could be. The fact that you're missing Jesus in your life. And that it's not family and relationship and food and lollipops and coffee beans, right? But it's Jesus who made all of these things. So on the way home today, be the kid that would be willing to drop the lollipop. Be the kid that would say, you know what, God, you, you're the one who gave all these things. Now you can pick that lollipop up and enjoy it. There's a lot of good things that you might have or may desire, whatever, that you can enjoy. God made this world for your pleasure. I'm not going to swing to the other side of the, the, the pendulum and somehow wrongly say that we, we shouldn't enjoy the things of this life, that you should feel bad. Those of you that have um, 
Those of you that have a lot of money and have nice things and have belongings, you shouldn't feel bad about that. But you should feel bad about missing the giver, right? Those of you that have a little bit, it's the same thing. Whether you have a little bit or whether you have a lot, God is the giver of all good things, both little and small. And he is the parent, right, who gives the lollipop and would want nothing more than to hear his child say, thank you, God, for this lollipop. God will be pleased with your heart. Some of you don't need to wait until the way home. You can do this right now in the next few moments. I'm about to pray. You can say, God, you're the giver of all things in my life. This isn't a moment to wish that you had something that you ought not to have. That's called, not, that's called a lack of gratitude, right? This is to be thankful for what you have. And say, God, I realize that you're the one who gave it. You're the one who gave me what I see outside. You're the one who gave me what I'm, what, what, what I'm experiencing right now. You're the giver of all good things. Don't be deceived and believe anything different. But remind every good gift, every perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. Father, over the next few moments, um, what I pray in in Jesus' name is that our hearts would turn from simply being grateful. I I believe I see heads shaking during this hour. I believe a lot of us are grateful for a lot of things. But God, we want to go past the thing that we're grateful for and actually be grateful for the giver. So God, I, I thank you for my wife. I thank you for my two sons. I thank you for my job. I thank you for Encounter Church. I I thank you for my family, for my home. I thank you, God, for all the good things that I get to enjoy. I thank you that that I have good health where I can go and do right now at least. I believe that you're the giver of life and you're the one who gives every breath. I believe that you're the one who gives what I have. And so, Lord, may my gratitude pass through those things and ultimately get to your heart right now. Over the next few moments, God, as we say those things to you, as we sing this last song, I pray that you would receive our gratitude. We love you and are grateful, God, for the opportunity to worship you in these next few moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me um, as we sing this last song. This is a time when Encounter Church can give back a, a portion of what God's given to us. If you're a guest, with us today, we would ask that you uh, would just simply make your gift to us be the connection card. So put that in the basket as it's passed around. As we sing this song, I pray that it's just a, a few moments for us to let our gratitude pass through the things and the people that we're grateful for and let it reach God's heart. Let's sing this final song together.